Welcome to History Off the Leash. I'm your host, Quentin Weed, here today with Eric Price. This is a show in which a guest co-host and I discuss an event in history picked by the guest each episode. Today, you've chosen for us... Uh, we're going to talk about D-Day. Yeah, so D-Day, uh, that was a big event in World War II, huh? Yeah, and there's... Uh, so obviously, it's the largest, as everyone should know, it's an incredibly large, like, commonly talked about subject it's the largest multinational military attempt in any war as of today so that's really cool and you know like there's a lot of stories that go into d-day that are often overlooked but are key to the success of d-day right yeah yeah uh my favorite one being there was a spy who is honestly responsible for the entire success of d-day as he misled the Germans to believe that the attack was about 150 miles north of where it actually was. And he was such an influential spy in there that the Germans, even during the middle of the attack of D-Day, thought a larger attack was coming to the north. And he was, I mean, he was such a great double agent. His story is incredibly wild. Could talk hours about that, man. Mm, Yeah. Well, and I mean, and you've heard, or at least I've heard, I don't know if everyone has, but they say that every single German spy was either flipped or was a double agent by the end of the war working for the British against the Germans at that point, which is just crazy, which means, you know, all their intelligence was just completely wrong. I mean, it makes sense. I think throughout the war, more and more people started seeing that Germany was just a horrible country. Because, I mean, if, if you look at, like, the German tactics especially... They didn't want to win. Right. They they just wanted to kill Jews. Like Well, they wanted they wanted domination. They wanted to win for their ideology. They didn't just they didn't just want to conquer someone. They wanted to assimilate. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, if you didn't fit their their key, they killed you. But I mean, like let's I got I got to give props to him. Let's let's give props to the one guy who convinced an entire country that Blue eyes and blonde hair was good without having either one of those features. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that Germans that were the superior race, even though he was Austrian. Yeah, I mean, just like charisma, charisma 10. I mean, he maxed out that skill. That is called rhetoric right there. Yeah, boy. But uh, D Day, yes, as as we were talking about, World War II is just like such an interesting topic because everything really did work together. Mm -hmm. Um, And and D Day just an insanely effective military movement i mean it was did you know it was almost ruined by a spy's wife really yeah did not know uh, a spy got i don't remember what the marital dispute was but a wife got incredibly angry and was like minutes away from leaking documents that would have ruined d-day hmm. and the, the mi5 which is like the cia equivalent in right. the uk yeah. did not release that data until like years and years and years after the war because they were that close to losing the war interesting which is it was crazy yeah i mean like there are also the stories of like um obviously the weather was always a big problem so i think they had to delay obviously this is not researched beforehand so we're just kind of going off the cuff but i know they had to delay the landing a couple 
quite a few times actually before. And then there was this small window where they weren't really sure if they were going to be able to land in good weather, but then it just kind of worked out because they were like, look, we've got to go before it leaks because if it leaks, we're done. And they've been all doing all this preparation with, you know, the big the big thing that I think everyone learns is the whole uh, using inflatable tanks and troops and stuff and setting up fake airfields and stuff to, like, bait them into thinking that the invasion was coming in a different location, which is, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the tactics used to confuse and, like, distract each other's armies were crazy i know they built they didn't they build an entire wooden airfield with like fake wooden planes just to make it look like that was a place yeah I think that they were sending sounds right planes out yeah of. yeah the, beautiful tactics yeah that really was the yeah <laughs> yeah that really sums it up they yeah. really they really did a lot it's like modern modern wars would be fought so differently Right. Because our yeah. surveillance is just, it's like tripled, if not, you know, quadrupled. It's mm -hmm. it's vastly different than the surveillance skills that they had beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Using photographs from aircraft and stuff. I mean, ugh. I mean, you see, I've seen, I keep saying you've seen, but I've seen, you know, the shows and the movies where they've got the aerial photographs they've taken and, and it's just like these horrible black and white photos and it's all grainy and you're just looking for little black dots in a forest mm, yeah those it's look like, like people oh, oh no those mm. are those deer are those people is that a is random that a tank rock? who a, knows ooh, uh it's uh, who can tell and i mean like nowadays you fly a plane thousands of feet mm -hmm. up in the air and some yeah, dude's like mm, he's got a gray hair in his mustache what a <laughs> yeah. what a weird guy boy and it's oddly specific Crazy. surveillance uh, but anyway, back to D-Day. <clears throat> yes. Um, did you have any more about the spy guy or? Yeah. Uh, so the entire history of this, and I'm a little bit rusty. It's been a while since I've read up on him. But I remember his last name was Garcia. And he wanted to be a spy for the U.S. And the U.S. said no. So he went to the Nazis and said, hey, I want to be a spy for you. And the Nazis, of course, were like, oh, yeah, sure. Come on come on board we're not going to question anything and you know he spied for them and gave them relatively fake data and then he went to the u.s again and said hey i'm a spy for the germans i want to switch sides and he gave him all this data and the u.s finally said okay i guess we'll take you on as a spy and he proceeded to relay fake information to the germans and i mean like he had expert skills he would bring in some information that was like days late so it looked like he was still doing his job and most of the information that he gave to the germans were things that were on like newspaper clippings and stuff mm -hmm. just like commonly known information and he created a whole network of spies and none of these people existed and they had like families and kids and the germans were paying pensions to people that didn't exist and he had to like lose spies so the germans was the germans were paying like Oh, I'm sorry, your husband died payments to women that didn't exist. And that's wow. like how crazy his information was and how crucial he was to the Germans for them to have this entire fake network of spies mm -hmm. and never know it. And the U.S., I mean, just got so much information from him. Yeah, those those stories of the spies. Spies are always such an interesting topic. Yeah. Like, 
imagine just living a whole life where you're not who you say you are and you're just you're just there to report to someone else about what this country is doing yeah and being like one one mistake one like yeah. sentence one away mistake from and you're dead. dead i mean you can also look at like just like the interesting parts about like spy craft in general especially when it comes mm-hmm. to like cryptography oh yeah the whole story of like the enigma machine and how yep. they had it cracked and didn't tell anybody mm-hmm. like, yeah the u.s had it cracked for so long and let people die just to protect the fact that they had it cracked mm-hmm. is ultimately the best play that you can make but at at what cost right. that's kind of like yeah. that utilitarian mindset true yeah yeah well and also we uh in the same vein of world war ii you know um the allies just had all the intelligence i mean we had we had cracked the japanese for so long and they had no idea so i mean that was just the huge massive advantage during you know the battle of midway and stuff like that i mean just crazy to be fair their their encryption methods were not that's true. They were not that yeah. great. I, they weren't I'm in exactly a cryptography in a... class right now, and while it's obviously not the most entertaining class, um, there are some parts of it that are incredibly interesting, such as we talked about, like historic encryption methods, and that that's a whole topic on its mm-hmm. own. It's like how crazy it's changed, but yeah. the Japanese encryption methods were just not up to date with everybody else right. in that yeah. war. Yeah, but still pretty cool. That's true. Yeah, yeah, still, it, it, still very and cool. Just like the you know battle of midway a lot of our success in d-day came from knowing kind of where the germans mm-hmm. were absolutely and telling them that we were somewhere else and that we mm-hmm. were going to attack somewhere else and it's incredibly beneficial that we had people working for us that could lie like that definitely i mean when we hit when we actually hit the beaches there was just there was barely any force there and they were not exactly the most willing to fight, and a lot of the reinforcements sent over that could get there in time were just, like, um, soldiers uh, conscripted from, like, the countries they had conquered, and they they obviously didn't want anything to do with this war. They weren't going to die for this dumb war they didn't want to be a part of, so, I mean, and we just rushed in so fast, there's... they should have responded faster, but there were some snafus in the higher ups. Well, I mean, yeah, they still thought that a bigger attack was coming. Right, north. exactly. That's that's what I was like. Yeah, hinting at earlier is that they they saw D Day and they were like, oh, ah, eh, you know, mm-hmm. we're we're preparing for something later on. Yeah, I think didn't they think we were gonna hit the south of France? I think. Uh, I can't Maybe remember geologically where it was like the Strait of Dover. I think is what it was called, but it was like yeah. 150 miles north of where we actually right. attacked. And they had yeah. all of their forces up there. I mean, if we had actually attacked there, there was no way that we would have no. gone in. No, 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 no. And even with like the limited amount of forces that they had, it was still an incredibly bloody fight to right, get in yeah, there. Of course, because it was—I mean, it was so well fortified. They—they they knew France was going to be the place to invade, so they had built it up with so many coastal defenses and guns. But also on the same line, there was so much corruption and. By the end of the war, they just didn't have... Their political structure was so uh, fractured that they just couldn't quite muster the same sort of strength that they had. And they didn't have the, you know, the the lightning warfare. They couldn't use their blitzkrieg tactics because they were just completely shut down by the allied uh, air superiority and all that. 
Yeah. And I mean, other, we definitely had them in air superiority, but oh, yeah. for a lot of their, like their infrastructure, the Germans were vastly superior to us. I mean, of course, yeah. I mean, you look at like things that have been impacted in modern day because of world war two, especially because of like the Germans highways and interstates. Right. Those were German invention. Yeah. And you know, like the U S saw that and was like, Oh dog, that's, that's crazy smart. Mm-hmm. Let's send that and put that in the U S. Mm-hmm. And a really like interesting part of U.S. history that some of you may not know: all interstates can be shut down by the U.S. military and used only for military vehicle transportation. Hmm. They can shut down inf- interstates to civilian usage. Interesting. I mean, that does make sense because mm-hmm. they're and they connect modern bases together. Yeah. Hmm. So interesting. So yeah, uh, D-Day, uh, probably one of the most uh, pivotal moments of World War II, at least in terms of finally kicking the Nazis out of Europe. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, D-Day alone as an event is very important, but the key history behind D-Day is looking at all of the moving parts that really enabled us to be able to do D-Day. And I know we kind of got off topic, but those are all topics that relate to how we were able to be successful using d-day not only in an attack but in a pivoting moment to like you said kick the nazis out of europe right um and just really be successful in our military advances Mm -hmm. and there were so many i mean we could have gone on and on and on because there were so many things that both the allies did well and the germans did poorly that led to you know the culmination of d-day and pushing through france and back into the homeland of germany absolutely um, absolutely and ultimately it was just uh it was kind of luck played a lot into it of being able to to get through there yeah, that's true is you know you can plan for the best day in the world mm-hmm. but you still got to have a little bit of luck in your side you got to have the yep. wind in your sails to be able to do that successfully absolutely yeah, yeah. well thanks well, for having me on the show Absolutely. I uh, really appreciate it. I'd love to come back and talk more about history. We will definitely Civil have War you is back. an interesting topic I love to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, we could talk about once it becomes a little bit more history based and not active history. We mm-hmm. could talk about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. That would be lovely. Tons yeah. of talk, tons of topics to talk about. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do it with you. Yeah. So, and with that, we have come to the end of the show. Thanks for listening, and remember to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so that you can catch all of the latest episodes as they come out. This is Quentin Weed and my co-host, Eric Price, signing off.